All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We are going to pray this prayer that is before us, that is in the songbook, and then uh, we are going to get into it, and then we will, it's actually a, a short sermon, and like I told the kids before, there's jokes in it, see if you can find them, so, or at least good <laughs> stories, ah, there you go. Uh, Aaron's got it. He already found one of them. So the fact that I, never mind. Okay, so pray this prayer with me. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil. To the clean and unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to us or happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever, they have no more share in all that is under the sun. It's one of the great lessons of our life that we get as human beings is that we are mortal. That we don't live forever in the form that we are currently in. And this is a hard lesson for us to know and for us to understand and for us to get through it, um, that one day we will die. We all, we all know it. But to have it actually sink in as a lived reality, um, it happens for each of us at different times and in different ways. The psalmist pray that God would let him number, let him know the number of his days. He prays this so that in knowing the number of his days, when he might live till, he will uh, gain wisdom in that. And if he, it's like if he knew how many days he had left, he could schedule them out and spend them accordingly, making sure he takes care of the important things first, as if he would know how to do that. But in this we see, and in life we see, that death is certain. And it, the date is one of the great mysteries that we get to walk in as we prayed this prayer, as we, you know, is let us walk in the arena of your great mysteries, the date in which we die, uh, we don't know. We don't, get, we don't have to fear the date, or, and we don't have to get to know it. What we get to live is in the here and now and follow Jesus today and trust him for tomorrow. And I'm not sure uh, that there is one memory or moment that teaches us all this important lesson. For each one, it's different. 
Some know that death is certain and that's okay with them. But for some, when they learn this, it's a hard hitting reality. And it's like, oh man, I don't ever want to do that. This lesson hit me when my dad died. It was uh, eight and a half, nine years ago, almost now. And, um, and knowing that the finality, the lesson hit me because knowing that the finality that I'll never be able to speak to him again, I'll never be able to share with him the, uh, I'll never be able to share with him the fact that Zeke is in my family or that I no longer live in Texas. That's where I was when he passed away. It really hit me because my dad died at the age of 66 and I was 36 when he passed. And if I died at his age, which he outlived his father, I would only have 30 years left. And that hit me. I was like, whoa, how do I spend it then? How do I go about this? How do I make sure that the, the, I live my best life now? How do I just make sure I do what God wants me to do and let the days take care of, them, of themselves? Because death is certain. And I am certain that I want life. I'm certain about that. Um, I've in and in this desire or this recognition of death, the desire for life and how to live has shaped and changed who I am and the way I go about this business of living. Uh, one of my favorite stories of someone dying is my grandma. So you have to actually know my grandma. If you knew my grandma, this would be uh, it would be a little bit funnier, I guess. But um, and I, maybe I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. My grandma's name we, was Mama D. Her name, we called her Mama D. Uh, she was a very small woman. She was actually, she was tiny. Uh, every one of the kids were like, oh, I'm taller than grandma at like age three. Like it was just one of those things where she was in there. Uh, if she was five foot tall, it would have surprised me. Like it really would have surprised me. But this lady she could walk into a room and fill it with her presence. She could fill it with her presence. She was born in West Texas. And if you'd known her for any longer than five minutes, you would know that about her. This is just who she was. Like you could, you would be like, do you know anybody from West Texas? And if you knew Mama D, you'd be like, oh yeah. And it gives you a good picture of at least the stereotype of what West Texas is about. And she would constantly say things like, well, I am 68 years young. She would say things like that. And she would say that even into her 80s. Well, I'm 81 years young. She would just say this over and over. And it was like, uh, it was like little catchphrases that she had. And she loved life. She loved life. Um, she would also do this thing while she was praying for you. Maybe not for you, but I was her grandson. So she would do this for me. She'd grab your face and she would whisper in your ear and she had dentures that she didn't always get glued tight down. So there was her dentures were clattering in your ears. Her S's were like tickling and you're just like, geez, grandma, stop, stop praying in my ear. But she, she'd pray like this. God loves you. She's squeezing your face. She's whispering this in your grandpa loves you because she wanted you to make sure that Papa was what we called my grandpa. Jesus loves you is how she would kind of say that because the S's in Jesus would, oh my gosh, it would drive me so crazy. And I love you. And I'm not sure, I'm really not sure to this day if she thought it was more important that I knew that Jesus loved me or that she loved me. Like this was just who she was. She was 
full of life and she loved living and she loved actually learning and teaching others about Jesus in just her own little West Texan, fill a presence with a room sort of way. And on her deathbed, I'll never forget it. It was actually a, a great gift that she's given to me in life. On her deathbed, she told me, she said, Scott, you have a calling. Don't let me or any family or anyone else hold you back from that calling. And she prayed for me, and it was the last time I saw her, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. But as she, had, um, as she drew closer to death, my mom actually moved in and lived with her. And uh, here was this woman that was full of life dying. It was sad. I mean, it was sad. She was the definitely the matriarch. She was the, the glue that was holding everybody together. And she, at, at, at her deathbed, though, she wanted to make sure that everyone who was in the house saw her go. They wanted to make sure that you knew Mama D was no longer here. She was in heaven with Papa. That's what she would have said. You know, she would have said something like that. Or she might not even have mentioned my grandpa. She might have just said she'd be in heaven with Jesus. I don't know. Uh, Jesus would have been so happy to meet her, I'm sure. So, which my mom gets that as a joke. But at one point, she was very close to dying. She gathered my mom, my aunt, and my uncle. They were all in the room. She said her goodbyes, her great final goodbye. And she was on her bed, and she was laying there, and she pulled the sheet over her head as if when she, she just said goodbye pull the sheet over her head and like the dead bodies in movies right because that's what you do to a dead body you put a sheet over them and so my grandma pulled the sheet over and my mom just like she's now my mom starts laughing and actually I don't know I wasn't there so I don't know who it was that started laughing my mom or my aunt or my uncle but I'm sure it was my mom and the others started chiming in and then mama d she takes a sheet She pulls it down and she peeks over to see who's laughing and why they're laughing because Jesus didn't take her at that moment. And it's interesting when I think of death, that is one of the events that I think of is I think of my grandma saying goodbye to everybody, pulling the sheet over your head and then peeking out of the sheet. She, uh, I'd like to think that she wanted to die, that that she wanted to get Jesus, but she also didn't miss out on the life that was being lived in that room while the laughter was taking place. And I wish I, I mean, I actually, whenever I read the scene of Tom Sawyer going to his own funeral, I think my grandma would have loved to be able to do that. She would have just loved that. And I wish that I could have been there myself because Mama D was a character. She was a, she was a hoot. She was a character. And this story uh, just adds to the myth and in my mind a little bit of a like legend about who she was and she did end up dying very shortly after this but it just reminds me of someone who was so full of life and even in those those dying days there can be moments of humor and moments of levity even within the certainty that death is right at hand and this scripture encourages us so much or or scriptures in general encourage us so much in life right here's how to live here's 10 commandments here's these things um it's it's a little bit of like follow jesus step to step by step 
And oftentimes, even as we're in Scripture and we're trying to live well and we're trying to live righteous lives, sometimes we forget that death is certain as well. No one knows when. No one knows how. No one knows the numbers of their days. But this event will happen to us all. I hope that mine's as funny as Mama D's. Somehow, some way. That it's just like that. And Lord willing, all of us will be in our old age. But it is a part of God's great mystery that we get to live in. It's part of the life, knowing that that's ahead of it. And if we realize that death is certain, it'll give us wisdom to live life a little differently today. It will allow us to truly see life as a gift and as a miracle that we will be able to live out and enjoy the day that God has provided for us this day and we get to walk in it. That death is certain is made um, crystal clear in this passage. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you get death. Or if you're poor, you get death. If you're wise, you get death. If you live as a fool, you get death. If you are clean, you get death. If you're good, you get death. If you're evil, you get death as well. Death is certain. And the preacher tells us that a certainty, but also views this, that it is a certainty, but also views this as an evil in all that is done under the sun. The preacher loves and values life far more than death, even though death is a certainty. He even tells us in no uncertain terms that life is better. He says it is better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Now, we can imagine this, like a lion is the king of animals. It is awesome creature to behold. I remember a number of years ago, we actually saw a lion roar at, I, I don't know, the zoo down in Tacoma. And that was kind of, I don't know if it was this, just the speaker and they were piping the sound through, but it felt like it. And I mean, they're, they're wild beast. And it, it was an awesome creature to behold. And even still a dead lion is still a big cat, the king of the beast. But we need to change our perspective a little bit to have this analogy fit for us because of what a dog is. We think of dog as cute puppy and pets and all these kind of things. But dogs in this Bible time, in the times of Ecclesiastes, were not cute pets that they are now. In fact, dogs, as they are in Ecclesiastes, is how they work in my mind and probably Karina's mind as well. So um, we're on the same page. They were mangy scrappy and in one scene in scripture there you could see dogs eating the remains of humans and playing with their bones it would be like that that's what a dog is a dog is not an animal that you would want to associate with no one uh, we can think of it this way no one wants to be like a wild laughing hyena with like blood all over its face and all that kind of stuff That's what it would be like to be a dog here. It is powerful language that would be lost on our modern ears. A dog is a disgusting, borderline, worthless creature, and it's better to be one of those than a dead, than a dead, I'm getting some amens. This is weird. (laughs) This is, actually, it's not not unexpected. It shouldn't have been. But it is better to be one of those than a dead something of majesty. It's better to be a worthless living creature than something 
of a dead king or majesty. Because the living have knowledge and the dead know nothing. As I was writing this this morning, I didn't write this part down, but as I was writing this this morning, I think it is better that my mom knows Ezekiel. My dad does not know him. And what a joy he's missed out on. And at least us dogs are alive and the lion will be forgotten. And in Ecclesiastes, we've already seen time and time again that life is fleeting. It is vanity. But it's also better than death. All the experiences that we have cannot have been experienced in death. A basic uh, principle in wisdom is to know and fear God. But also another basic principle of wisdom is to know that life is better than death. This, if we understand this, if we come to this as a lesson for us, this will help us value the life that we get to live and live the life that God would have for us in each and every day. There are experiences that God wants to give us. And this is a blessing and a joy. To live in the light of death allows us to be vulnerable in the unknowing, to just go, look, I don't know when it's coming, but I'm just going to take this next step and know that there are certain things that are totally outside of our control. It is better to worship Jesus while we still have the breath of life on us. Psalm 115, 17, 8 and 18 have become a prayer for me for the truths contained in them. It says, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor all who go down into silence, but we will bless Yahweh now and forevermore. Hallelujah. I have a prayer before the Lord that ever since my dad died, that I might live into my mid-80s. Like my grandparents on my mom's side lived very, very long lives. And so I would, I would love that. Um, there's much I want to see, much I want to experience. Um, I'd like to be married for over 50 years and I didn't get married till I was 30. So I got to live a little bit longer to make that uh, goal happen. And, and so, um, but I, I know that this is not promised. And all we can do is live today, worship Yahweh, Praise him now and forevermore. Alleluia. And in that, we can have praise on our lips and know even in that, that every step of life is worth living. The purpose in knowing that death is wisdom, but it's also a joy to us. It can be. We get to enjoy the life that we are given. Doesn't mean it's easy. And it doesn't mean it'll always go well, but it means that you have breath. It means that you have breath. I love uh, older folks. You know, I, I think it starts when they're about fifty. You just say, "Hey, how you doing?" Well, this side of the, you know, this side of the grave's a good day. You know, it is just the old joke, but it's there's so much truth contained in that little quip. But it doesn't mean when we have breath. It doesn't mean it means this that God is not done leading you. He's not done steering you in the direction that he would have for your life. And the life that he has given you in the here and now is worth living each and every step of it all along the way. And just as when we don't know when our life will end, we also don't know when the next miracle 
that we might see will occur. We don't know this. We don't know where the next spark of imagination or wonder may come from. But in this life with Jesus, it is as if nothing else matters other than the joys and wonders that Jesus gives us. And I think even sometimes as, as we think about wonders, we can think about wondering like when God, why God, all these things are part of the wonders that he gives us. But when Jesus shows up and he shows his presence, we are left with great wonder and great joy. And I believe this is part of the reason why Jesus died for us, why Jesus went to the cross for us. Because he didn't just stay dead. He actually came to give us something different. He rose again to give us a new life. And this life is a life full of wonder. A life full of praise to him and anticipation that he might do something. That he might surprise us. That he might finally make something out of our lives. The fact that Jesus died is beautiful. He showed us the full extent of his love by laying down his life for us, his friends. The fact that he rose from the dead and is alive and rules and reigns today is surprising us. It causes wonder in us. That death is certain. But you know what's more certain? Resurrection. And we get to live in the light of Jesus' resurrection for us, knowing that we will be surprised by him as we walk this road. Even in tough times, we know that all we need is for Jesus to show up and things will change. Amen? In the good times, we know that when Jesus shows up, that we are truly blessed. And as we learn to walk with Jesus, as we learn the joy of this life, of a full life. It's not always happy and easy, but neither is there always hardships and persecutions. It's a full life. We get all of it. A life full of experiences and a life full of miracles. Uh, Wendell Berry has this book called Life is a Miracle, and it says something to the effect to treat life as less than a miracle is to give up on it. And I don't want to give up on life. We're not dead yet. It's coming. We can be certain of that but we get to live and life and treat it as a miracle instead of give up on it. And if we live on this in Jesus name and through the Holy Spirit's power, then we can lean into the resurrecting wonder that Jesus has in our lives, the work that he has for our lives. The good news is, is that I can see all of you here today. We all have breath and we can all praise him And we can do this with our breath and with our lungs. And that as we do this, we know that Jesus still has his work in us and his work for us. So this is my prayer, Grace and Mercy Church. Even though we know that death is certain, that we may live. Let us live in light of the Holy Spirit and what God has for us. Let us value life and find joy and wonder in this great gift that Jesus has given us. And I pray that we may be wise in this way. Lord, I thank you that death is certain. You make that clear to us. That even though we don't know the number of our days, we know that it is coming. But even in that, Lord, we know that you are greater than death. And Lord, while we have 
life in our bodies. May we praise you until the day we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.